Welcome to the Currently Cringing Podcast. I'm your host, Anisha Ramakrishna. I'm a TV personality and entrepreneur. Join me as I spill the chai on my cringeworthy life experiences with a side of dating, pop culture, and lots of laughs. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Currently Cringing Podcast. I'm your host, Anisha Ramakrishna. I'm a TV personality and entrepreneur. Join me as I spill the chai on my cringeworthy life experiences with a side of dating, pop culture, and lots of laughs. Hey guys, welcome to Currently Cringing. Today my guest is Nasreen Shahi. That's right. (laughs) So do you go by Nas? Because I saw that online. I'm like, I'm not saying that. But you know what? I go with go everything, anything goes. Naz, Nas, Nas, Nazarene, Nasreen. Like I've heard it all. And that's kind of, I feel like they're all kind of my names, honestly. Okay. I'm going to call you Nasreen. I think it's a beautiful name. And Thank I think you. you're just a light, you know, like attracts like. And I feel like you're just such a light because I actually met you at BravoCon. We took a photo together. Then I clicked on you on IG and I was like, oh, wait, like, oh, my God, like you're a big influencer blogger. Oh, you're sweet. I don't know. No, you are. (laughs) And, you know, and then I scrolled down and I saw your story and, you know, we're going to get into it. But basically, you're Pakistani Afghan. Mm hmm. You got it. Which is wild. Your parents met in Houston. Yeah, they I feel like are an anomaly, like. Most of my parents, my friends' parents like met in India or Pakistan or whatever. But yeah, they met in college at the University of Houston, which is where I grew up too in Houston. So you would think they were a little more modern than most Desi parents. I don't know. Was that the case? I I would say so. Maybe not like initially. I feel like they've become a lot more progressive over the years. Um, My older sister would say we had like the strictest parents ever. And I'm like, eh, they weren't strict at all. And my little sister, nobody even knew what she was doing. So God knows what she got away with. Were you the middle? I'm the middle. Okay, that's why like no one cared. 
Yeah. <laughs> and I was a do writer too. Like nobody ever had to worry about me. I was always the one who did everything like I was supposed to do. <laughs> Same. I was really obedient, listened to my parents, did everything. But looking back now, I'm like, I should have just done whatever I wanted, but I'm making up for it now. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so did you have boyfriends? Was it that strict? Like, did you date? I definitely had boyfriends and definitely dated. My parents did not know. Um, they weren't progressive in that sense yet until I think my younger sister, like my younger sister is allowed to do everything. My older sister still brings up, although, you know, she went to prom and did all those things too, but it was very like, you know, run by the parents, not run right. by the kids, you know? So I don't think my parents really accepted a boyfriend probably till college. <laughs> and were you allowed, I'll say in quotation marks, yeah. to date outside of religion and race. Yeah. Oh yeah, you for are. sure. Yeah. Both of my sisters actually aren't married to Muslim guys. Um, Nazim, who is my husband, he is Muslim, but both of us, our parents are, I don't want to say they're not religious because I know they believe in religion and all that, but they're definitely more spiritual. My mom's side, especially is very like, they don't go to a mosque or anything like that. They don't fast. They don't do wrong. They don't do anything for the most part. She has a few siblings that do. My dad's side is a little bit more religious, but, um, they're not the type of, I hate to even put this blanket statement out there because I feel like it might offend somebody, but I'm going to say it anyway. There are different kinds of religious people. Some push their beliefs on others and some do not. And my family is like type that's like, I could be, I could walk in in a bathing suit in front of my grandfather as he's praying to Maza and nobody would even flinch because they are just like, we're different and that's okay. Yeah. I don't think it's offending <clears throat> people. I think it's your lifestyle and the family you have, and that's the way they're choosing to live. And I also didn't grow up in a religious home. I grew up in a strict home where culture was important, but not religion. So again, having said that, you met your husband in college. Yes, we met in college. We actually didn't date until after college, but we did meet in college. I like to say that he like followed me around for a few years until I finally went on a date with him. <laughs> That's not Ladies. his version of the story. <laughs> well, yeah. Ladies listening. I always think the guy should chase. I'm old. I'm with you on that. I mean, I think if I think there's something to be said about going after what you want at the same time, but he definitely was persistent, which I found yeah. attractive too. No, I mean, I asked out my boyfriend and I was clearly the one interested in the beginning. Having said that, you do want them to make some sort of an effort. Yeah. A hundred, oh, if there wasn't a lot of effort made, I don't think we'd be sitting here today together. Yeah, absolutely not. And so you meet him. How did you know he was the one? Ooh, um, I don't think I did at first. I think everybody, a lot of people expect this like story when you meet someone to be like, oh my God, I'm going to marry him. Um, yeah, like this is who I'm going to marry. I don't think it was necessarily like that for us, but I think I knew that I really liked him. I really liked how he treated other people. I think you could tell a lot about somebody by the way they treat other people. Um, I think you know, I knew that like my parents were going to love him. My sisters actually did not like him at all, <laughs> which is kind of funny looking back. Um, but yeah, I think after a couple months of dating, I was just like, wow, he really is like everything that I always said I wanted, but I wasn't really ready for something super serious yet. So we kind of like, we dated for several years before we got engaged. And how old were you when you got engaged? I was young, Anisha. I feel like back then people... I'm 40. I'm going to be 42 in a couple of weeks or next week. You look, you look 25. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Um, 
I think during my generation, people got married so young and I feel like that has changed so much. We were babies looking back at our wedding. I was 20. I just turned 26 when we got married. Um, so I was 25 when we got engaged, maybe even 24. I think we were engaged for like, like 14 months or so. I definitely agree with you. I, I think that generation, you know, I have a lot of friends who are in their 40s, mid 40s. They all got married even at 21, 22, 23. It's really true. And, and I don't know about in your circle, but in my circle, majority of them are not married anymore. <laughs> I think people got married back then because they thought they were supposed to, um, not necessarily for the right reasons. Yeah, some are, some aren't, but it's a mix. I'd say it's a good yeah. mix. And I think it depends. You know, a lot of them, like you, they were on the cusp of, you know, parents that had lived in America for a while. So a lot of them actually chose their partner like you. It wasn't like this arranged marriage. Right. So, you know, some stuck, some didn't. But I think that could happen to anyone, even me. Sure. You know, I've been married, but my mom says there's no guarantees. Yeah, no, I agree with that for sure. I do think as you get older, uh, you know, at least my friends that it seemed to get married at an older age, it seems like they knew exactly what they wanted to do in their life. And they knew, oh, me and Nazem were babies. We didn't know what we were going to do. He was like a pre-med graduate, but he was working in like corporate America. And he was like, man, I don't think I like corporate America. I think I should go back to school. And I was like, wait, what? Like, you're <laughs> going to go back to school? Like, how are we going to do this? Um, he ended up going to dental school. We moved to Boston. When we got engaged, I moved to Boston with him. I, I didn't, I like when he moved, I was like, I don't think my parents are going to, you know, quote unquote, let me move there if we're not at least engaged, you know? Yeah. And we were, we were ready at that point anyways. Um, but yeah, we got engaged. He proposed and talked to my parents and all of that stuff. And then I moved out there and I was like basically supporting us. I was doing pharma sales. You know, I did, it was great. We had so much fun in Boston, but we were really, we did not have a clue what we were doing with our lives when we met. Well, I'm glad it worked out. And also you were in pharma sales supporting, you know, the two of you and how, how did you go from pharma sales to influencing? Yeah, yeah, quite a jump, right? I think the thing that's similar about it all is I've always loved talking to people. I'm just like a talker. I could talk to like a stranger on the plane for hours. Um, so I think when well, what happened was when I when Nazim was done with like all his stuff, he did a residency program in Dallas. We moved there for a year, and then we decided we wanted to settle down in Austin. So we came here. My pharma company that I worked with was amazing. They like found a spot for me everywhere I went. Um, I was like one of their top performers. So they really wanted to keep me, and I really wanted to do it in a way. But I was like, gosh, if we're gonna have, like once we have kids, I don't think I want to do this anymore. Like it was a draining job, and and it, it changed a lot over the years I had done it. Like it became very political and all those things that I didn't enjoy. So. I was like, well, we can revisit that. Like Nazem just got out of school. He doesn't even have a job yet. <laughs> so he started working. Um, I got pregnant and I decided I'm going to see how it goes if I want to go back to work or not. And just see. And Nazem was working like crazy hours in the beginning. Like I think he was working from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. So he never was there for wake up time for a baby or bedtime yeah. for a baby. <laughs> so that was hard. And I was like, we can't, I can't work like this. Like, I, I mean, to have the type of, you know, life that I want to have with my child, I'm not going to be able to do this. So I quit. And then I was a stay at home mom for many years, which I love. It was amazing. It was like some of the best years I look back and I'm like, gosh, life was so, you know, simple back then. Like, we, you know, my, my biggest stress was like, what time is he going to wake up from his nap? So I can do the load of laundry and 
Not that that's not a big, you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying that. I know, I know exactly what you're saying. And I actually feel the same way. And for the listeners who might be in this situation, what was that conversation? Because for me, I've already laid it down. I'm like, I'm not going to hustle at some job and take care of a kid. And obviously, if you have the means, but then I have some friends that want to go to work yeah. and I get it. But for me, I don't want to do it all. I've yeah. been clear about that. So what was that conversation like with your husband? Was it like, you know, I'm going to stay home? And he was like, okay. Yeah, I think it's a really personal choice for a woman. Honestly, I have friends who did not want to quit working. My sister is one of them. My younger sister did not stop working until she had her second baby because she really was very career driven and she loved her job. I didn't love my job. I was done. I was like not feeling fulfilled. I was not getting anything other than a monetary, you know, reward for it. And I was kind of just like done, stressed, overworked, all those things. So my husband was, Nazem was very much like stay home, quit. Like, I don't care. Like do it, make me happy. So he was fully on board. Um, But then as the kids started getting older, I started, so I had Reza. I was 29 when I had him. He's my oldest. He's 12 now, which is crazy. Um, And then Nazem was working as an associate for another dental practice. And once he started his own practice, I decided to go and help him open that um, until he was like up and running. And then I think we had Sophia, my third and I was like starting to get the itch. Like, okay, I feel like I need to do something else also in addition. And that's kind of where the whole influencing was born. (laughs) And you started in 2017 and I guess people don't realize the grind that goes behind it. I mean, I, I am not an influencer and I've seen some of the posts just that I've had to do, you know, for work for Bravo. It's a lot. It always cracks me up. Like in the beginning, when I started doing this, people like, so what do you do? Like even my own parents are like, oh yeah, she tries on clothes and makes money from trying on clothes. I'm like, oh wow. If it was only that easy. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, There is so much that goes on behind the scenes. So much so that I would 100% say I have never worked this hard in my life on anything, including being a mom as I do now, you know, it is a, it is a never ending job. And I do now have like, you know, a team that helps me. And that is amazing. Excuse me. And very helpful, but it took a while to get there, you know, definitely like people don't see, you know, the hustle that you've put in from 2017 all the way to now. And so life seems pretty idyllic from the outside, right? Like you've got the three kids, you're you're married, you're gorgeous, you're happy, everything's going well. And then last year. Yeah. And then boom, <clears throat> things were like really great. I was in what I would consider, honestly, like the best shape of my life. I was doing Orange Theory five days a week. I was eating great. I was happy. I was healthy. My job was, you know, my business was the best it had ever been. Um And I felt like I had everything like kind of under control. And then I went for my first mammogram, completely a routine mammogram, no symptoms that I can pinpoint to this day, even looking back. Um, And I found out I had breast cancer. Not only did I have breast cancer, I had metastatic breast cancer, which was a huge bomb, you know, a huge bomb to our family, a huge bomb to drop. Like we just, it was shocking. And do you want to explain that to the listeners? Yeah. Yeah. So when you, most people go in for routine mammogram around the age of 40, I was 40, close to turning 41. It was the year of like COVID and everything. So getting into a doctor's office was like near impossible. So when I called to schedule my mammogram, it was like a six month wait or something ridiculous. So 
I went in and um, when he first said the radiologist like wanted a bunch more pictures and this and that, and I could tell something was like, not right. You could, you knew something wasn't right. At that point I knew, but before that walking in, I was, I mean, I like had my workout clothes on. I was going to work out afterwards. I was like, Oh, I'll be in and out. No big deal. Check the box done. Right. Um, And I don't have family breast cancer in my family history. So I really, truly didn't know what I was walking into. Um, but metastatic breast cancer, it means when it, um, leaves your breast and it has traveled elsewhere. So for me, it traveled through my lymph nodes, which would put me at a stage three diagnosis, but because it had gone to my liver, it put me at a stage four diagnosis, which is, um, which is, uh, which is crazy at my age, it's near unheard of. Uh, well, not anymore. Unfortunately, as I've learned throughout this, like there's a, it's younger and younger these days, um, but truly that mammogram saved my life. If I had waited another six months, I literally don't know that I would be like alive right now. Like truly, because if it had spread more to, throughout my liver or to another major organ, I don't know that there's anything they could have done at that point. So then you get this, you know, sentence <clears throat> as if, right? You're, yeah. You don't even know what it is anymore because now it's your life. You've got three kids, your family. Did your did your husband know? Did he know the doctor? Did you have to tell him? I mean, what yeah. was going through your head? I called him from, so when you get a mammogram, it's a radiologist that does it. So you don't actually get a biopsy yet to speak to like, so they can't say with a hundred percent certainty, anything at the actual time of mammogram, but he can rate it as like 50% chance of cancer. 90% mine was like a 95% chance of cancer, you know? And I will say, this is where it pays to be brown because we have a lot of doctors in our circle. Everybody pulled every string. I felt very thankful. One of my sister's best friends is a breast radiologist, got me in with like the top breast radiologist in Austin. Like, I think it was like the next day, got my biopsy. She called in a favor to like one of the best oncologists in the state and and in the country, really. She like came and saw me before she got on a plane. It was like, I mean, this is where like the religious side of me is like, God put all these people in my life and made this all happen. I started chemo 10 days after my diagnosis, which is insane. Um, but I, oh, it tended 12 days, something, it was very soon, but yes, I had to tell my husband, I called him from that parking lot. I called my sisters. I was like, what? Like everybody was just completely shocked. And of course, like seriously devastated. And then having to tell your parents, can you imagine? You have children. Yes. Like the kids were obviously our number one. We waited a few days before telling them anything. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So now you start chemo and I can't imagine like the week before you're at Orange Theory and, you know, blogging and, you know, taking photos and 
you're living your life and then a week later you're in chemo. I can't imagine the mind fuck that. Oh my God. That's an understatement. Yeah. I was just, at first I was like, well, I'm not going to do this job anymore. Like there's no way I sit here and come and share beauty and fashion tips and I'm going to be looking at my absolute worst. And I feel so superficial to share those things when like, I'm going through something that's a lot more serious. Like, how am I going to just gloss over this? Oh, I have cancer. Oh, that's okay. Here's the lipstick I like. You know what I mean? Right. So I just was like pretty set in my mind for a couple of days that I was not going to do this anymore. And I was going to tell my followers, this is what's going on. I'm going to be checked out. Da, da, da. But then, you know, I really, really was like, couldn't sleep one night. And then I just remember in the middle of the night being like, what am I saying? Like, this is a platform that could be used for good. You know, not that it's not, it's all fun and fashion and beauty. And I love that stuff, but like the awareness that I could spread could be, is greater than anything I've ever done, you know? Absolutely. And you enjoy it. I I love it. And my doctor, her exact words to me were like, do not stop working. If you can find it in you to continue what you love, love to do, it will carry you through your treatment. And it really did. There were days where I felt like, absolute garbage. But I was like, you know what? I promised this brand I was going to do this. I'm going to get up and do this. My followers are anxious to see how I'm feeling. I, you know, like I felt a very deep connection to my followers during this time. And I still do because of it. I feel like I've made like a million best friends, not a million, I don't have a million followers, but you know, a ton of best friends. I I understand exactly how you feel because even people who watch the show, I just want to get to know them because clearly they relate to something, right? And they actually lift you up and they're there to support you. Absolutely. Yeah. My following is like 99% women. Yeah. Same, same. So I, I think the first thing you should have done was to continue, which you did, because those are the people that are going to lift you up and motivate you. And, you know, apart from your family and your friends and obviously the doctors and the chemo, you're going to get through this. They give you hope and you're giving them hope, you know, because how many people you know, do we know really put this out there at your age? You know, you're so young. I looked desperately to find people that I could relate to when I was diagnosed, like my age people or people who also cared about what am I going to do to my eyebrows? How am I going to make my hair look good? What am I going to do about this? Like I looked desperately and didn't find much. And I have been, you know, so many people have reached out to me and been like, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have done cold capping and saved my hair. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have thought to go do microblading for my eyebrows. And it helped me so much because my kids felt like I looked normal and, you yeah. know, all those things. And um, I think the spreading of the awareness is the what truly makes me feel like it was all worth sharing because it was a lot. It wasn't fun to come on there. And I knew people were waiting to see, not waiting to see, that's not a good way to put it, but they were curious. It's natural curiosity, right? I would be curious too, if there was someone I saw every day and all of a sudden they look very different, you know? What did you do with your hair? I did something called cold capping, which um, is basically like this cap filled with ice that you, the, the idea is to freeze your hair follicles so that the chemo does not reach and kill those follicles. I had what I would say was like mild success with it, but it was worth every second because I I did buy a wig. I did have a wig um, and it was beautiful, but I never, I just never felt like me in a wig. Like no matter what, I just felt like people could tell it's a wig and I don't like the way it feels. So I got away majority of my chemo wearing a beanie or a hat. (laughs) And like, I would just like pull these two people. This is like my real hair. That's still from before. I have a lot of extensions in right now. This is like all my new growth Mm -hmm. um, right there. So it's, it's, 
given I'm, I would not, I would not change it for the world. I'm so glad I did it. I wish it was something that was covered by insurance and all people, everybody could have the option of doing it. Um, so I have completed all six rounds of my chemo therapy, um, which was a combination of three pretty intense drugs that was went over 18 weeks. I completed that in January of this year. Um, in February of this year, I underwent my surgery, which was a double mastectomy, a deep flap reconstruction, which is a very in-depth procedure, um, and a oophorectomy, which is the removal of your ovaries. So I did all of that in February. Once I recovered from that, I did, um, 28 rounds of radiation and I completed that in May. And so those were kind of like the big three chemo surgery, radiation. So now because of my staging and because of my original diagnosis, I do need to continue on my, um, like every three week maintenance therapy is what they kind of call it. So it's just to help prevent a recurrence. So luckily there's not like really bad side effects that I experienced from that, but it's just a reminder every three weeks, how much it sucks. (laughs) Yeah. And now all of that superficial stuff, right? It's like the hair and, you know, the surgeries. This is all very painful. Forget like the superficial stuff and all of that. Like this is physically painful. What did you do to those listening like for pain management? I, I, this sounds, I don't know, mind over matter sometimes, but I had a reason my children to, to not let them see me struggle as much Mm -hmm. as, you know, not that they didn't see me struggle. They definitely did, but I didn't want them to. So during my surgery, my doctors like worked together to make sure that I was like comfortable and at ease. They give you all kinds of stuff, but I was also fearful of taking some of those pain medications Mm -hmm. because you hear about, you know, the addiction. Yeah. Yeah. Women becoming addicted and dependent on it. And so I took it for what, when I needed it, but I also had kind of some yucky side effects from pain meds. So I stopped that. Um, and just kind of, honestly, the best healing for me was like mental to physical, like as soon as I could like get my head right and just really focus on the end goal, which was all I kept saying the whole reason, like my why of getting through this is my family. Like I have a very young family, like this is not going to be their story. No. So, And for someone that may be starting chemo or going into chemo, what should they expect or what, you know, anything that you could tell them? Yeah. I think the number one thing I would do is make sure you do, you, you research and you advocate for yourself. Like don't just take what the nurse or doctor says and run with it. Like there are options. If you have this side effect or that side effect, they can pretty much control almost any side effect aside from the hair loss at this point. And even the hair loss, they're finding more and more options with this cold capping now and like different things. Chemo isn't what people remember. Like I remember when they told me I had to start chemo, I imagined that I was going to be vomiting from morning till night, every night. You know, that's what I thought. I didn't vomit once. I never like experienced that type of stuff. It wasn't easy, but by like two or three days after chemo, I was exercising. I was going about my busy day, doing all of the things. If there's, if you can do anything for yourself is to do everything you can in your power to take care of your health, whether that's eating right, walking, exercising something, because it will help you more than you can even realize. It sounds cliche, like, oh, be active. No, but like, really, you have to, you know? Right. Just keep your mind busy as well. And to keep going, don't stop. It's depressing. It's very isolating. Like nobody understands it, but you, very few people understand like the, 
what goes into this. I think that's why anytime like I meet somebody with breast cancer or has had breast cancer or has a family member, you just click like this because Mm -hmm. it's like a bond that nobody else can really truly understand, including myself before this. I feel like a terrible friend looking back at other friends who have gone through this. Uh, Not exactly what I went through, but similar, you know, just different situations. I'm like, gosh, I didn't have a freaking clue. Right. Yeah. None of us have a clue on a lot of things. And, you know, I'm so glad you're sharing your story. And now, I mean, you look amazing. Thank you. And you're posting. I see you. You're very active and you kept going. What can we expect from you like next year? You know? Yeah, I I honestly stayed pretty active throughout this entire process. I continue. I think I took like a month off after my surgery because I physically couldn't do anything. Um, But next year, I think I really want to I've always done what I love and what I want and not what I should in this, in this space. And I, next year, I just really want to do more of that, like focus on what I really enjoy doing and what I, what I feel good about, you know, and putting that out there. Yeah. And continue watching Bravo and doing all those. Oh, yes. I'm loving this season of Family Karma. I wish I could see more of you on there because you're our favorite character. You crack us up. I saw all of your Family Karma members, by the way, in the lounge, but you're the only one that I went up to. I was like, can I take a picture with you? Because I, you are just hilarious and so real. And like, you can just tell that you're, you're a girl's girl. Oh, for sure. And I, I just saw a light in you without knowing anything. And I'm so glad you're you know, on this episode, and you're going to help a lot of people. But any tips for me with marriage? I mean, you've had a successful marriage. You have three kids. I also want to get to like, how did you decide you wanted three? My mom has three and she's like, don't have three. But that's because we're all crazy. I feel like I, I grew up thinking I wanted to have like 17 kids. I loved kids. Um, Man, having kids is hard. (laughs) So that changed quickly after my first one. I actually had a lot of fertility issues between my first and second. So I had two miscarriages between Reza and Layla. Um, I was like getting pregnant, pregnant quickly, but having miscarriages. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was kind of what was going on. So after we finally had Layla, who I always call like my rainbow girl, she's just like literally came out like a ray of sunshine. She was the chunkiest, cutest baby you've ever seen smiling ear to ear. Like I could take her to lunch with me and my girlfriends. She could sleep for four hours. No one would even know she's there. I'd have to wake her up to eat. She'd sleep 14 hours at night. She was just perfection. Um, so after that, after we had her, I was like, you know what? We've been through so much. Like, I think we're done here. Like we're done. We're family of four. Like it feels right. But I always wondered, but we still, we, we actually moved into the house we're currently living in right now. And I got rid of all baby things, everything except for clothes. Cause my sisters, I was like, I'll save it for them. Everything baked gone. I was kind of feeling not so good that week. And I was like, I was at the grocery store talking to Nazem. I was like, oh my God, it smells so bad in this store. And he was like, <laughs> you're not pregnant, are you? And I was like, no, I didn't, you know, no. And sure enough, I was pregnant with Sophia, my third. So yes, I wanted multiple kids, but I didn't necessarily plan on the number three, but obviously we can't imagine anything else different. She's like the best thing that ever happened to us. So it's wild, but fun. I'm, I think, I'm a big proponent of big families. It is so fun, you know, with with having. I three. do. No, we. I can't imagine my life without my brother and my sister. Even though times there are times like we lived apart, right? Like they lived in California and I lived on the East Coast for so long, and so you know, distance. But growing up, I can't imagine life without them. And I know my brother actually kept my parents young because we have an 11 year age gap. So I'm 38 and my brother's 27. 
And so without him, I feel like my parents wouldn't be fun or somewhat normal. Like they loosened up with him. Yeah. Kids keep the parents going. We're the reason why our parents, like, I feel like we keep them young and grandkids keep them even younger. Wink, wink. (laughs) (laughs) I'll, I'll, I would like to have one. Yeah. And my age, you know, like I I mean, you guys just got married. Yeah. We got married a month ago, literally. Yeah, you've got time. Enjoy your time. I think that Nazim and I were lucky in that sense. When I look back on the time we had before kids, like we had so many fun vacations and adventures and like things that we wouldn't have been able to do necessarily if we had had kids even younger. But um, yeah, I, I'm a big, I love having a big family. The kids, the girls are like built in best friends and it's just a lot of fun when we travel. It's, I feel very lucky. Yeah. And what are your tips for a long lasting marriage? You've been married. 15 years? Yeah, 16 actually. We're doing a vow renewal anniversary party next weekend where we're, oh my gosh. um, Like, side note, we had an awful photographer at our first wedding who was amazing for like everything else, but somehow (laughs) her and her boyfriend got in a big fight at our wedding. She left our wedding and the pictures were horrible. (laughs) So, yeah, it was a disaster. So, we always were like, we're going to redo, you know, we're going to do this again. And we were supposed to do it our 15 year anniversary, which was last year during chemotherapy, which we obviously, didn't do. So this year we're doing like a big shebang and I'm really excited. But in terms of tips for a happy, healthy marriage, I think if there's one thing that you should never forget is that the only thing that matters between the two of you is each other, your mom's opinion, your dad's opinion, your best friend's opinion. It does not matter. I'm all for going to those people for it, you know, to vent, but it needs to be like a safe space where you can vent and complain about each other, but they're not like judging you. You know what I mean? And judging your relationship. I think Nazim and I have always been very direct people to each other, very honest and open. And I think that is key. Like he's your best friend. He's going to be with you for the rest of your life. And you are going to embark on like this entire lifetime together. Like don't forget where, what position, you know, what place he's in, in your heart. Like he's number yeah, one. You're, you're on the same team. Yeah. Yeah. And nothing, all the noise around you just really doesn't matter. Absolutely. And so now I hear you're moving into your dream home. Yes, finally. (laughs) So we've been building this home for two, almost three years, two and two and nine months. Um, So we're moving in in a couple days and we're really excited. Um, We've been, it's kind of a labor of love. It's been a long process, but longer because of my cancer stuff last year was just, you know, delayed some things. And then of course there's COVID delays and all of those things. So I feel like it feels in a way like we're opening a new chapter. Like we have a lot of good memories in our current house, but also a lot of bad memories. And I feel like we manifested this, like, you know, scenario where we're moving and there's, you know, I'm going to be cancer free and here I am. And that's actually happened. Cause honestly, when I started my treatment, I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, I didn't know if it was going to work. It's not a guarantee by any means. And I did end up having a full response and I have no evidence of disease now, which is knock on wood, like truly a miracle in many ways. Yeah. I can't wait to see all your home content and I'm so excited for you and your new chapter in the new year. I mean, I feel like it's all happening in the new year, right? So it's all good vibes starting fresh. Yes. And thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for truly being a ray of light to so many people and, you know, for coming on this podcast. Yeah, it was so fun. It was so good to like get to talk to you. So thank you. And everyone, you can check out Nasreen on IG. Are you on TikTok? I'm not on TikTok yet. I feel like I'm too old for TikTok, but everyone keeps no. Me, no, you've got to go on. 
but I can't, I mean, I know TikTok isn't like the little funny dances anymore people used to do, but I have not dealt into TikTok. Hey, Nasirina on Instagram. <laughs> I could see you thriving on TikTok, but yeah, everyone, it's at Hey, it's Nasreen or Hey, Nasreen. Hey, Nasreen. Yeah. Hey, Nasreen on Instagram. Guys. Yes. Bye, Nasreen. Bye. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you so much for sipping the chai with me this week. If you like the show, remember to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also find me on Instagram at Anish Ramakrishna. I would love to hear from you. Join me next week for more chat. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thank you so much for sipping the chai with me this week. If you like the show, remember to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also find me on Instagram at Anish Ramakrishna. I would love to hear from you. Join me next week for more chai.